Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with yearning yeti, Chris Prunty. And of course, we're here with our continued special guest, Daniel Quinn. Daniel, good to have you back. On today's episode, we're actually going to be reading a bit of listener email and building our episode from there. So to start off today's episode, we're going to be reading a bit of listener email from Cass. And Cass says, hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast since around episode five or six and being able to see the actual process of world building as it happens has been a gift for a baby world builder like me. Personally, what irks me just a tiny bit is when things like monsters are always in the singular, always in the same vein as the Minotaur, the Sphinx. I love it in games like Monster Hunter series or books like The Witcher, where monsters can just be different types of animals, each species with its own place in the ecosystem, rather than having a clear separation between normal animals and monsters. Uh, for example, he gives Kikimoras are useful for population control, as Marilka said in The Witcher series. Uh, with this in mind, my question slash prompt slash whatever, what creatures are there in the land of a thousand gods that don't exist in our world, but are just regarded as another species by the people rather than something that is obviously the eldritch abomination from beyond the dawn of creation. Thanks so much for all the great work you three are doing. Love y'all Cass. And uh, I, I got back in contact with Cass shortly after, and they suggested a monster of their own. And I like the concept of it, and that is actually going to be one of the monsters that I'm going to be introducing with some slight modifications. So when I reached out to Cass to kind of provide some feedback, because I wanted input to see if you had any particular monster in mind, uh, they mentioned that they had this idea for they had this idea for a monster that has a bone structure similar to an ape, but with longer arms a super swole upper half, as they say, and it attacks like a bear. Essentially, it has a bunch of large scales that jut out and down from its chest area, and it uses those as its main method of attack, more or less bear-hugging its prey to death and leaving large bleeding wounds. It's not perfect. The scales chipping and breaking off would naturally be a massive issue, and I can't think of a way to fix this from an evolutionary standpoint, but it still maintains the feel of an animal. Maybe you guys will have better luck when you take a pick at it. And man, Cass, do I have my own way of kind of my own twist on it. As you can probably tell, today's episode is all about the ecological monster, what we would consider to be something natural, something kind of animalistic, and we're each bringing our own couple ideas uh, some of which are not going to be giant aphids onto the table. <laughs> and we're going to start off with, uh, with a continuation of Cass's idea, which is I took the idea that they had, which is, you know, kind of like a gorilla shape essentially. And I kept the idea of brachiation, being able to use longer arms to kind of swing from tree to tree. And I took the idea of instead of having like scales to kind of use as daggers, essentially, Instead of scales, I wanted to treat it more like um, like spines or thorns, kind of like a porcupine, which would help with, you know, because you can regrow spines and stuff like that much quicker than you can scales or bone. So having some kind of protuberance like that would make a lot more sense if they were regrowable. So then you take a look at, you know, the idea of quills like a porcupine and they're kind of lame. Right. And even if you put them on a larger monster, it's kind of hard to be like, oh, I'm just going to be killing you with my like really rough chest hair. 
you know, like that's not really a great idea. But what I did like about the idea in general is the idea that you're t- a monster that just has these long kind of grasping arms and they come in, they, they essentially give you a bear hug and they leave you alone. And my idea is this monster, which is essentially hunts like a Komodo dragon. It comes in, it gives you a giant bear hug, allows most of the spines to snap off inside of, you know, like your flesh. And then, you know, it's not necessarily inherently, um, uh, poisonous or filthy kind of thing. Like it could also be filthy. Yeah. But actually that's, that's a really good point because now you're talking about, you know, like, um, Ponji sticks from Vietnam where they would smear excrement or whatever kind of nasty shit that they have on there. And, you know, the wound just gets infected. And that's more or less the idea that I have here is that this thing, it essentially is an ambush predator. It leaps down, attacks you once by scraping a bunch of its uh, quills off inside of you. And the way that the quills are formed essentially acts as kind of a... um, the quills themselves, they will snap off inside and then splinter even further. So actually pulling them out is incredibly difficult. And because they kind of form in clusters, you're you're essentially opening wounds so it infects even worse and faster. And oh yeah, it's horrifying. So the idea with that is you do that and then it basically follows you by staying up and above the trees and it just watches and it waits for you to die due to incredible disease or just overall, like you can just bleed to death or something like that. And then once it, once you're weak, it comes down and oftentimes because you're not dead from the disease, just knocked out, it's starting to eat you alive. Oh, that's nice. That's lovely. I like that. Yeah. So just pulling you apart, like. Well, the idea that I had was, well, it's, it's kind of like, it just comes down in this, and like, let's say that you're a random person in a jungle or a forest and you get attacked and you kind of get woozy and you fall, you know, like you, you wander off and then this disease and this fever hits you and you, you just get weaker and weaker until you can no longer move at which point you just collapse and you, this thing is like, okay, you're, you're, you're good to eat now. It just starts to pull you apart like a, like an ape eating something. Have you ever seen that video of the chimpanzee who's eating a live Impala? It's not. It's horrifying. Don't Google it. But it's, it, it's, I imagine it's something like that where you, you just see this giant primate type thing just ripping apart. you know, like a still living animal. And uh, Why yeah. Why was it attacking that car? Oh my god. Do these things um have like do they travel in groups or are they solitary? I imagine that they're somewhat solitary because they're they're larger. So th- but and the other thing I kind of wanted to avoid with this is I don't necessarily want them to be apex predators because the idea of like attacking and then falling back to me is far more interesting as like a scavenger type. So normally these things could be, you know, eating the dead, you know, or or like, you know, fresh laid corpses, but if they need to attack then what they'll do is, you know, the the method that I described. But they're not necessarily the best fighters. They're they're more like they have a very specific evolutionary uh, design in how to hunt like and eat. Porcupine ghouls. They're more like porcupine Komodo dragon apes. Cool. Yes. <laughs> Drop uh, bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drop bears are koalas. Yeah, I know. But the fact that they they're, you're not getting STDs from this one, hopefully. Anyway, you said it gets infected. They penetrate you and infect you. Oh. It's true that you're you're not even wrong. But 
I, I, I think that uh, when you break down how this monster kind of is, it's it's pretty horrifying. Like the idea that like there are these infectious quills that are just like you can't pull out. Like have you ever um, have you ever gotten like a, a piece of glass stuck under your finger? Yes, for and then example, it's growing over PR if you wait way too long. Yeah. Or or what's worse is if it breaks inside yes. of you. Have you ever had that oh, happen? No. It, yeah, it's awful. And, and, and stuff like that. That's that's kind of the horror that I had. And I wanted to stay true with the type of, you know, like bear hug. And yeah. then, you know, like you're bleeding from the wounds. Except this is just way more gruesome. So, Cass, if you're into that, awesome. I'm glad that we can make the design work. But if you're not, that I mean, you can you can keep it. There, there were some other options that I could have went with, too. Like, there's this weird prehistoric scissor mouth fish oh, that uh, a friend of mine told me about. Uh, but that I, I like the I wanted to stay with the original design. I mean, it makes more. me think of like I, when you describe them, I kind of picture them wandering around in these ruins or sort of living in these jungle ruins because they're apes. So maybe they're like at the tops of these ruins. And so that you've got treasure hunters going to look for stuff. And then they encounter these creatures that are slowly hunting them. So I'm not sure if we've ever mentioned this movie on the podcast before, but I'm very excited. Have you ever seen Congo? Yes, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you. I'm I'm glad uh, with the Lost City. These are even worse. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think uh, that laugh reminds me. I think we have mentioned this on the podcast before, but just like the mummy, I will never get sick of referencing Congo, the movie. Oh, yeah. It was the Wilds episode. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay, absolutely. All right. So, Daniel, why don't you go ahead with your next monster that's definitely not a giant aphid and uh, hit us. So, since I can't do a giant aphid, my second my second idea, which would have been rejected, was a, which I'm not doing, but I want to just mention it because it's absurd. I wanted to have a giant ladybug that had like armored plating on its wings and was vorpal and they traveled they're like helicopter size they traveled in swarms but obviously that's insane swarms swarms like so like helicopter swarms yeah no you wanted ladybugs. you wanted right. the ladybug martians from yeah. futurama exactly. yeah. and, and they'd be like it mixed with like the jabberwock yeah people can yeah. ride them and stuff you know it's cool yeah. but we can't do that so what i was thinking instead <laughs> i mean we can but that's like it's ridiculous yeah that's that's i mean what would that do yeah. to the ecology that's insane exactly. people say it exists in the new world <laughs> Oh, that's tr- yeah. yeah. Maybe oh, that's yeah. where that is. Maybe that's where yeah. that exists. That's Whether it does or doesn't is also just people saying it, uh-huh. right? But uh-huh. so in dragons. <laughs> so my first monster, I was thinking. Um, so I'm thinking of the ocean and the kind of weird creatures that could live in the ocean, right? Yeah. But I didn't want your typical like leviathan or giant like you Kraken. know crack anything like that. So yep. I thought, okay, well, what about say there's volcanic depths and in the volcanic depths. Underneath the ocean, there's these like little glowing kind of like firefly things, but then they're attracted to warmth and heat. And occasionally these depths break open and they kind of spill out. And these creatures, what they're able to do is control the water in a way that makes it semi-solid. And so they kind of can turn into these, I call them like abyssal, um, or abyssal kind of colossuses, colossi. And so they, they create these kind of like serpents of water that are kind of like a water elemental and they're attracted to warmth. So they follow the warm currents. And then when there's storms and, um, you know, like kind of like big, like hurricanes and things on the water, typhoons, I guess you'd call them. They, they come out and that's when they damage ships and things like that because they get drawn into the storms. Mm-hmm. And so functionally they're like a microcosm, like a man of war of creatures. 
Um, but so they function swarms. as yeah, they function yeah. as like so a, you're, you're as an elemental about, almost. Yeah. Right, but you're talking like a colony. They're a colony of, of them. Things. Yeah, okay. but like when people and travelers encounter them, they think this is monstrous giant like water elemental creature, you know, oh. or, or giant or colossus. But they're more they're more just water manipulators. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. How do they manipulate the water exactly? I'm not sure, but I ha- probably has something to do with the environment they come from because I imagine them as surviving in like extreme temperatures. Okay. What I'm what I'm kind of picturing, right, is that there are animals that exist that kind of carry large bodies of water, like a water sack almost. Yeah. And I can imagine that if they're like collecting water sacks on their back and they're a giant collect like a colony, yeah. then you can see this sea serpent mm. of that is like semi-translucent because of all the water and that glimmering it's because of the little yeah. fireflies but yeah. it but it's also like semi-solid because you can see like plates of yes, the, of the insects or like chitin essentially yeah and i like that idea as this, like a water serpent or a sea mm-hmm. serpent or something different like that does it can it go on land or like is would, it diminished on land how does that work exactly? i would say it probably needs like a, a body of like salt water to survive so it might maybe it could crash against like a shore but once it hits the water it can't really move beyond that all right and is yeah. it always a unit like does it always work as a colony or yeah. like a school of fish i'd say yeah okay yeah. all right and i but but my question now becomes is it um is it malleable like yeah. can it can it change shapes yes. in a lot of ways? Yes. Okay, so it's almost like an ooze as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's yeah. really cool. Like I, I imagine it shifting, but I imagine like if you've got pirates or like buccaneers in the ocean, they see this monstrous thing and they picture like a dragon or a serpent, but right. it could take any shape. All right. So what about? Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. would that, that would give you like reason for oh the kraken tentacle is just right. one of these things. Now, when it comes to oh, so so, I can see kind of like the ecology of it. What kind of special power does it have besides the collection of water? Maybe it's mesmerizing. Mesmerizing. So it's, it's a bit of a siren as Uh well. Okay. And then you get pulled into that area where there's a storm most likely because of the warm currents it follows gets destroyed by it. Okay, and how do they eat exactly? I mean, there, are they are they kind of like lobsters where they're bottom feeders more or less, but they cause the bottom feeding? I guess the question would be like, how do um like creatures that have like high thermal like needs? What do they eat? I don't know. I believe they're actually filter feeders. Oh, okay, so like, probably yeah, so bottom feeders then, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. All right. All right, so I like that idea. We can kind of keep that in mind. Just like like swarms of these kind of weird chitinous little scuttlebugs that also hold water. Uh, how do they attack exactly again? Hmm. Oh, well, I think it's not so much. Do they spray water or do they like drag people into like dangerous areas? Yeah, like, I what don't are think they're trying at? to attack so much as like you get drawn into their swarm. And so maybe like colliding with it drowns you and you get like damaged by the collision. I don't know. Okay. Well, no, I, I'm I'm thinking of like, oh, that's, that's for sea dwellers, right? Yeah. Is there any way that someone who's on a... Uh, a, a coast uh-huh. can be drawn into the ocean. Oh yeah, because that's that's that would be kind of cool. Right? I like that. Yeah. Like if you see like the tentacle near the shore and it's like drawing them in. Right. Maybe they. I mean, I would say probably they end up drowning because of being drawn into it. Yeah, and it's a matter of. Um, oh, it's it's a living. Yeah, it's a living riptide essentially, yeah, right? Exactly. Because when you, I mean, these things are already heavy from all the water, and they grab onto you. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can't swim because I'm being weighed down. You're suspended in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're buoyant, but you know, yeah. like when there's enough of them on you, it's like you can't get out of that. Right. Oh, that's yeah. I love. Oh man. Yeah. I, lo- I okay. I love. I didn't want them to be pernicious. Like you know, I just want them to be like they're natural. They're thing. animals. Yeah, yeah that's right. all they do. Yeah. yeah, understandable. Now, why? How and why would people use these things exactly? I don't know. 
What do you think? Are they delicious? <laughs> I guess they're too small. Maybe they could be used for like energy in some sort. Well, going into the fact that this is uh, on the ocean, maybe have it be where they filter out the salt in the water naturally. Ooh. And so you could, if you catch them, you have fresh water. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's actually a really good yeah. idea. Because I, 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 again, I just read Mark Kralinski's Salt a couple weeks ago. And it's like, it instead of having to sun dry this thing, you can now have a higher risk way of doing it and you you have to capture these things and maybe they heat the water up too like their little sacks can yeah that's up. a good yeah. point as well and, and that's how they filter it like mm-hmm. that's how they filter the water so their so water really in their sacks are like yeah. fresh water mm-hmm. and which makes them heavier yes. as well which is oh yeah that works there yeah absolutely yeah. and so like i can imagine them like drawing in the water like filtering mm-hmm. it out and then spitting out the salt to make them heavier and sink exactly and, and essentially drowning collecting vi- oh that's I love horrible it. okay that works i love yeah, it yeah then you drown you know exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay yeah. cool i'm down with that all right chris what kind of horrible monstrosity do you have for us today uh i actually wasn't going for horrible uh uh so oddly enough i also wanted to do something water-based Really? Yeah. Um, I love these little synchronicities that yeah. we get. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do large, not quite fish, not quite uh, kind of like coral, but they they float and they have kind of uh, these things that filter down both above and below the water. Uh, one is kind of filtering out food from below and the other one is gathering nutrients from above and they have some sort of way of propelling themselves uh, gently through the water, and they are almost used as a beast of burden. I was the- I was thinking like a living island in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, like I, the scale. I wasn't sure if I wanted to make them like uh, larger than a boat, but still enough that in a time of need, you might be able to like go on the back of one and be like, "All right, I got enough food for days. Here's hoping I hit land." And you can oh, like a, like a raft, yeah. in some ways, okay. But like a natural raft, okay. So obviously we're gonna have the raft thing, but can we also have like the big collections of it where there are, there are essentially small islands as well? Like I think that'd be kind of cool, you know, kind of like there's the um, barrier like, reef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, like there's it's just a large colony of this island, and then I can also imagine, uh, you know, like oh, you think you're on an island, but that's actually just a collection of these things and they've just been, it's, they kind of rat king themselves and they're stuck together. And so there's actual, like there's actual Island on top of them. And in a mythic sense, you can be like, Oh, well that's just, you know, a, a living Island. It's actually, this is weird coral reef or, or even like a, um, uh, what's it called? There's like an iceberg effect to it as well. Yeah. I was thinking that could be part of the danger of them as well to ships and everything where they're like, Oh, we got to move out of the way or we got to like get the poles ready. Oh, it's like oh, come an on. iceberg. Nudge it. Ice. Nudge it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, also in the collective sense of how you were saying an island, uh, if you were to put like dirt on their back, I feel like you could grow on them almost. Yeah. Or at least put like Like a plants. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to do something that was just a beast of burden this way. Say you couldn't afford a ship or anything. It allows more people to get out to the ocean and everything. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. uh, just, I don't know. I, I feel like beast of burden and everything and pest are very common. And it's weird yeah. when you see that there's nothing fantastical about them whatsoever. It's just like, yeah, we all got horses and oxen and also trolls. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Like you, th- you think that there'd be some. F- not everything is a monster you're going to fight. It's going to be something that is just living in the world, and it's like, yeah, we've just been using these weird pack animals, and you know, or it's kind of like in in Star Wars, for example. They have, they also have weird, you know, like kind of beasts of burden that are just part of the setting, and you don't even pay attention to them for the most part. Gunbacks yeah. or dewbacks. Dewbacks, yeah. And you can have like captains who are kind of like natural captains in that way, in the sense that they're like part of they like their ship is a living ship to them you know that's actually a really fun idea if we had like a a type of druid or something like that or a nature speaker i could easily see that being part of it yeah you you bind a few of them together and then you build like a house on the back and you're just like yeah this is my ship that's not a ship oh yes it is oh yeah 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 that's really cool so considering that we're doing a uh tropical island hex crawl exploration adventure I see that that's where your brains are. So I should okay, mention, yeah, yeah. I should mention that we are actually, I just started running the first ever uh, RPG set in the campaign setting that we've created for the last several months. And we just had our second adventure and it is a tropical Island hex crawl adventure. And man, I'm kind of excited to see how I'm going to drop these horrible monsters inside of the game now. Because you can bet that all three of these that we've just talked about so far are going into... God, we authored our own Doom. Mm. That is... Yes, that is partly why this is so much fun. It's because I can <laughs> I can kill you with your own creativity. Yeah. But, now, but now it's up to you, right? This actually brings me to another point that I really wanted to bring up. Uh, I was reading uh, a series, a, a book called Damerin by Seth Skorkowski recently... And one thing that I actually really like about what what happens in the setting, it takes place in like a a modern fantasy type of world. But one thing that I really appreciate about the world building is that there are, and another thing that Witcher does as well, which is also kind of what inspired me, is there are monsters that just cannot be killed by normal weapons. Like, like, uh, for example, in... In Damerin by Seth Skorkowski, like there's Oni have to be killed by Jade unless you have a specific holy weapon. Or, you know, werewolves have silver that they can be killed by. Rakshas are, are weak to gold. And everyone has, you know, different materials of, of uh, items, essentially, that they are weak to. And I really want to bring that into this particular world, into the Land of a Thousand Gods, because I think it makes a lot more sense... When you look at the lack of magic, how can we make more diverse monsters if, okay, well, we're not everyone's going to have like a relic to kind of fuck with them. So we're going to have monster hunters that have specific types of um, material that they can go to, like types of wood, types of stone, types of jewels that help fight these monsters off. And I want to make that a larger part of the setting to make each monster a little bit more unique, you know, like... It's not just a matter of magic beating these monsters. It's like there's a science to it. There is a specific tactic that you can look at. And I wanted to make that more of a thing here as well to make things feel a little bit more mythic. I mean, one example, just going back to like the water monster we were talking about earlier, maybe the way to fight that is by understanding how like their neural network is connected in the colony. So maybe there's a way to disrupt it and then it would make them fall apart. So that's kind of a, what you're saying, like figure out a science to how you beat these creatures instead right. of living things. You know? Absolutely. Like for something like that, I imagine that there is like an irritant mm-hmm. or or some kind of like, honestly, I'm just thinking about triggering something that it has 
that essentially causes an allergic reaction and it has to dissipate in order for it to recover because otherwise it fries, like you said, the whole neural network, the whole connectivity issue or even adding like oil. So it literally can't hold itself together anymore and it slips apart. Scientific finger quotes ways of dealing with these monsters, but ways that are clever and, you know, adventurers and heroes. Exactly. And heroes know this way to do it. Yeah, I see different kind of uh, socketed weapons and other things. This way, unless you're fighting one particular type of monster all the time, you're going to be like, all right, let me put this chunk of iron in my steel sword. So. Yes, absolutely. Cold steel. And, and and that's actually one of the fun things about the, the Dameron book is there is, you know, there are demon hunters. And when they have guns, you know, it's like, okay, we need the silver, obviously, for the werewolves. But then they're like, okay, we have jade tipped bullets for fighting oni and then there are other ones like, it, it's just stuff like that where it's like okay we have to come prepared I and that's just a bunch of filaments of different metals and stone into one bullet just like this is my all-purpose one i don't really know what i'm going into right now it's funny you should mention that because the character in dameron actually has like a warding powder and he's like what's that made the character's like hey what's that made out of and he's like whatever i found works it's got garlic, holy water, like all sorts of like different materials and stuff like that. And it's basically an all purpose where it's not going to get like a specific one. But man, demons are going to hate the shit out of it anyway. So I, I, I actually do want to kind of approach monsters from that type of example as well. Because, again, I think that if you're if you're trying to keep a more ecological sense of how monsters work, this is the way to do it is give them an ecological strength and weakness within the world itself. So they're not just unkillable machines it's like okay there's a way to do it yeah uh daniel what did you want to go with for your second monster that you had in order to talk about this one which is not milk milkable aphids um i think chris <laughs> although someday some, i'm gonna write some stats up for look me. i will someday. let you have your milkable aphids yes. if you run an rpg deal deal okay okay good. Awesome. all right you- okay Everyone is a milkable aphid. <laughs> yeah, everyone plays a milkable aphid. I will glad. I will play the one aphid that has dried up teats. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's my. That's my. That one's had enough. Character. He's had enough. That's yeah. why. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so okay. So I need Chris to talk a little bit about the quill in order to talk about my monster. What specifically about the quill do you want Chris to kind of understand? Um, just to remind reader, like listeners, what they are, because okay. I feel like you know maybe they don't remember in particular. Sure. So the quill themselves are an insect, not parasitic, but symbiotic race that lives in... Uh, you know, you keep saying that every I, I, time the quill Because I want up. people to know that it's not parasitic. <laughs> I know, but like it's it's kind of like me thinks thou doth protest too much. Like That's, that's where <laughs> okay. we're at at this point. In the game last night, people called them parasites twice. Yeah, <laughs> as, as insults. Yes. yes. So I just want... No, because that's an insult. That I can understand. It's, yeah. It wasn't a misunderstanding. It was a targeted racist attack. I feel attacked. <laughs> yes. But uh, moving on, uh, they are a symbiotic relationship where the consciousness becomes one. So the experiences of the quill themselves and their host uh, form a combined consciousness and they then speak as one. But uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this in in the podcast or anything in, uh, previously, but say the host themselves would never do something and the quill themselves would never would always do something. If it weren't to come up in conversation when they are kind of, uh, well, for lack of courting each other or interviewing one another, 
and it happens, it might cause a psychological break, in which case uh, they enter a fugue state or a second personality forms that uh, works out what they've done or what they are doing. Is that what you were looking for? Exactly. So so what I was thinking is kind of inspired by by that, obviously, and by um, elithocytes in... Um, in the Elithid, the Elithiad. Oh, babies. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was thinking is, especially considering that you mentioned the psychotic break that can happen, is that in, and there's a lot of, I assume, mystery into, into terms of how the, the um, not parasite is attached to its host. <laughs> S- symbiote? Symbiote. Um, what I was thinking is what happens when things go wrong and the culture that uses these creatures don't want people to know about when it goes wrong. So in those situations, the I'm what I'm thinking is the creature itself ends up not only taking over the body, but physically taking over the body and consuming it and then growing larger. And these do go on, Daniel. And so you these, have my full interest and attention, <laughs> sir. These, if you would call them kind of abortions of the process. Um, instead of being killed because they are living entities now with a third personality, they're banished and they end up thriving in a hidden place in a kind of either whether it's a cave or a pool or something separate. And they end up having their own um, ecology because of that. So they, there's a there's a hidden separate race of these creatures that have become monstrous. And usually they carry their the, the psychosis or the trauma of the failed merging. That's really fucking cool. Have you guys ever seen the movie Bone Tomahawk? No, but you have recommended it a lot. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say much more about that, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Bone Tomahawk in a really fucked up way. But uh, yeah, I'm going to let you continue on. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so to go on that, I believe at one point we talked about like serial killer Quill. That Yeah, uh, yes. and that was on our Halloween episode yeah. for Possessions, I believe. Yeah. 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 But I could also see, depending on how long ago this happened, that there might begin to be a divergence. Yes. Yeah. So maybe like in Quill culture, they don't like to talk about this, but there is another type of Quill, which I call the primitive, a Quill primitive. That exists out there like that is animalistic. Yeah, it's yeah. animalistic and it's popular. It's they've multiplied now they're their own species. Wait a minute, can we have this? Okay, not necessarily deep old one. No, it's deep old one adjacent yes. because I'm thinking it's like Abilith. the no no not Abilith. <laughs> I'm thinking it's kind of like uh, the Shadow over Innsmouth, where you have that weird like fish human hybrid and like is the is the this proto quill the weird troglodyte folk. Are they essentially that where you're like, you look at them and you can tell like, oh, that's clearly not a human, mm-hmm. you know, because with, with the quill, right, there's that camouflage aspect where you're, you can never quite tell if they're a human or not, unless you actually start talking to them and ask them. But is there something like, there's something quite off, like they have a little bit of gray skin? Or- oh, so you mean like physically? So I, I mean, I was picturing something very extreme. I was going the dune angle. Oh. Like these things are literally giant worms. Oh, oh, really? Yes. Like they have become, they're primitive in the sense that they're not physically human anymore. Okay. The worm or the, the um, symbiote has consumed the, the host's body and become its own thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can, can we, instead of just like a straight up worm, yeah, can yeah. we make it a worm human hybrid? Yes. With yeah. like a little hideous little fetus body. I just want it to be yes, awful. I love yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And one more thing I want to throw in to make it even <laughs> worse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, He's so sad. Yeah. The, the phrase it's that the really. It's shame. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The that I love this. I love so look at this, Chris. Your your babies are getting so much. I mean, I'm a quilt fan. Yeah. Listen, there's no relation. I have no idea what you think 
the relation between the quill and this uh, monstrosity is. Yeah, I'm noticing now that like the more that your races uh, kind of come into play, the more horrible they are. So that's uh, that's fun. Anyway, the idea that the, the other phrase that I really wanted to talk about with you, Daniel, is you had this one where it's like they take on the trauma of the failed, co- you know, uh, coalescence. And I want to talk about that. I want to make sure that that physically manifests in the creature itself. How do you think we could do that? Yeah, I think that would be great. Like, suppose the trauma was like, I don't know, Chris, you had given an example um, off offline before about like, if if one of the, the hosts... But with the original host body's mind, maybe wasn't it wasn't um like inclined to murder. Maybe they were they were like a pacifist. But the quill was from a warlike history in the past. You know, like maybe then that manifests in the quill primitive when the the failure of the merging happens, in that um you know the 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 worm body it you know has warlike aspects to it. Maybe it's like got like um you know a bladed carapace or it's got like hooked claws like it's i guess it's just the psychosis manifests in its physiology in some way this is some real silent hill shit yeah it doesn't I love it it doesn't necessarily even have to be someone who found joy in killing it could be with a long enough lifespan and a checkered bat past it could be there are times where killing is necessary or hot or, take or even or even where it's a matter of uh maybe it's trauma that the quill has experienced you know it's not necessarily you know, like everyone experiences some kind of level of trauma at some point, some worse than others, right? But the quill, they have lifetimes of it. And so maybe it's also a collection of all of the negative energy and negative emotions that they've ever experienced. And so these are literal physical manifestations of horror and trauma in general. And it comes out in this weird worm monstrosity. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. All right. That's a great idea, Daniel. That's that's really fantastic. Chris, go ahead and pick us up with our final monster Hopefully of the something night. Something happy. Yeah. Tell us about your fun happy monster that you're going to tell us all about. Go you ahead. know, it actually is a fun happy monster. Oh, I, how, yeah. did I know? how did I know? How did I know? Yeah, why? I actually, why? Because because you need something happy in your life right now. Oh. oh. <laughs> that wasn't even a personal <laughs> shot. No, but you're right. <laughs> Speaking of... It's like when I named that thing Catharsis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of psychic manifestations of trauma, go ahead, Chris, hit us. So I wanted these little things, uh, and I'm once again going to butcher this, even though I listened to the name several times. Penguin? Penguin? Oh, Pangolin. Pangolin! Yeah. 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 Uh, See... After years of being friends with you, <laughs> decades now of being friends with you, I have I have a keen translation ear for what you're trying to say. Yeah. It's it's a it's a gift really yeah. and a curse. Yes. Uh, so tell us about your weird pangolin monster. So I was picturing them to be pangolin. Uh, see, yeah. Uh, scaled in that way, but to have them range as far as where they go in the world. There are the ones that are almost completely scaled like that to the ones that are almost slightly feathered. And rather than the face of an anteater, they're more like a a lizard or a raptor. Oh, okay. Uh, My idea... You mean velociraptor, not like bird raptor? Yes, yes. Okay. Velociraptor. Sorry. When I think of raptor, I always think lizard. I know. We grew up during Jurassic Park. It's fine. (laughs) Are you doing Final Countdown? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. Yeah. I never yeah. saw how yeah. similar yeah. those yeah. are. 
no, because you did it wrong. It's you're right. Yeah. I did a little bit fast. Yeah, it's too fast for waking up. Is it really? It is, honestly, Jurassic Park? Yes, it is Jurassic Park. You see, I yeah. just assumed you would yeah. hate Jurassic I, Park for some reason. That's one of my reason. favorite movies of all really? time. Are you kidding me? I also thought you would hate yeah, Joy. I, yeah, yeah, I love it and agree with that. Jurassic. But for some reason, I thought you would be like, no, it's a travesty. The new ones are the only good ones. You, you confuse, wow. You, wow. Oh my God, that's like the opposite. You confuse my <laughs> hatred. Well, for hatred when really it's just good taste. <laughs> wow. Oh my God, Daniel. Moving on. No, you just hate Joy. That's what it comes well, down to. I do. To. There's plenty I of do, joy but that's but anyhow uh yeah i was picturing these little uh little rat dragons mm-hmm. and the way that they exist is they are wingless i'm assuming what wingless? oh wingless yeah. yes yeah yeah uh when so you say dragon it's you know it's wormling or whatever you ever you want to uh drake i don't know the wind the wingless one but uh the other thing that i wanted them is besides rat dragon they're also called sprig rats Ooh, and the reason yeah. they are called sprig rats is because they do take on the uh, nature of the things around them. So the ones that grow up in the mountains or in caves or in rocky outcroppings, they will literally eat dirt and rocks by devouring it with acid and such. Okay, why not sprig lizard then? Because if they're like reptilian... That could be derogative. Like the spriggins... Oh, sprig rats. Yeah, yeah. the spriggins yeah. are just like, don't call them sprig rats. Yeah, like, uh, maybe not do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oddly enough, I tried to think of insults while I was thinking of names. Oh, okay. Because they're a pest. Because, right. say, the ones that get into cities, they start eating food and everything, and then they literally take on more of a rat-like look. Oh, okay, um, okay. And then the ones that are out in the woods, they still decompose stuff. They'll eat trees. Not quite like termites, more like down trees for moss and everything. And I wanted it to be... Uh, Reminiscent of the ones that are also in cities, They're, they might eat metal, in which case you get to reference chromatic dragons and everything that uh, I like. Okay, but okay. Oh, so it's it's literally you are what you eat in this case. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, but that makes a little bit more sense. I, and yeah. then just a series of subspecies of where they are. So one of the ideas that when I was coming up with this to make them less happy was uh, corpse brigand. Uh, I'm oh. sorry, uh, corpse, uh, bone sprig rat and such. Bone, bone sprig. Yeah, yeah, of okay. where it's just like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Ooh, that's Can really good, actually. Can pets? Of course. <gasps> oh, my God. Can that's rats be familiar Wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute. Now you're, now you're talking about literal, like, uh, purebred, like, I've only fed yes. this one peaches. <laughs> like, like, it's like, it takes Look a how jo- Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, people can have them as pets, but it's also the fact of it just like they will eat anything. So even a, even an owner who has uh, owned one will be like, oh, fuck, it ate the furniture. Wait a minute. They'll eat anything. Does that mean that they're also like the best friend to serial killers, much how pigs are the best well, friend to serial killers? Stop destroying my happy little lizards. Never. <laughs> what were the, the ones that eat dead things? Called? Oh, I yeah. was calling them either... Uh, yeah. Corpse rats or yeah, perfect uh, or for bone a spring. killer or a necromancer, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, also, yeah. that's another thing that's cool about them. Uh, when you show them off to someone, if it's a pet, it does display a little bit of you. Because you're just like, oh, this thing takes on the uh, continents of marble. This shows how fucking I feed my thing marble. Or uh, if you feed it trash, it kind of looks like trash. But it's... Oh. Like a household cat and everything, it can be handy. It disposes of waste for you. Does it eat f- other like 
meat as well, or is it, is it just inorganic material? I wanted it to be or opportunist uh, decomposer. So okay. if something isn't fighting back, yeah, because uh, for all intents and purposes, its breath-like weapon or anything is... Acid. Acid and other things, yeah. Right, okay. Digestive fluid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, this is like such a helpful monster to have in general. And again, you're going to be seeing this pop up in the campaign coming up. Yeah. But so, imagine a yeah. colony of them that were just like, oh, got into the corn. <laughs> and so it took economic- down the silo. <laughs> like it ate the whole thing. There's so many economic applications to this kind of a creature. Good and great. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can imagine like the breeding kind of getting out of control and all of a sudden you lose cities to it. <laughs> Also, what does that say about, like, ruins in general, where it's like, oh, you're losing history to this, like, colony of these weird spriggan rats. But it also uh, goes into where people are protective of those ruins. And uh, certain ruins are more preserved than others because you have to think of uh, getting to them. And while I did want them to be kind of as uh, populous as rats or chickens, you don't see chickens in the tundra kind of thing. So... since they're lizard-ish base, uh, the colder the climate, the less you'll see them. Interesting. There are clues to history in a sense, too. Because, like, yeah. say you have a ruin that's been consumed by them. The creatures there would bear facts about that history in their bodies. Right, but for how long does this imprint last? That's what I question. mean. Yeah. Think of how old they can possibly get. That I'm up in the air about. Because you might be able to have it just like, oh, that one's fucking huge. How long has that one been eating? In which case, you could get into the weirdness. Or it could be like, nah, they never really get bigger than a cat. Okay. I like I like the idea of kind of keeping that up in the air. So in the future, you can be like, oh, that thing's fucking massive. Or, yeah, someone sees it and is just like, no, that's... No, that can't be it. That's not a sprig rat. It's... Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, I'm totally down with or that. Or it's it's massive, but it's not harmful. It's kind of like a pug when they eat too much. They just get, like, useless. It's really huge. <laughs> they can't breathe right. My family had three pugs. Oh, my condolences. <laughs> I love yeah. pugs, by the way. Pugs are adorable. I love pugs as well. They're they're cute and everything, they but are. I... I after I get over the cuteness, I'm just like, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> what yeah. did genes yeah. do to you? Exactly. Yeah, they can't. They can't. Well, it's not even genes. It's the way that humans bred them to be like yeah. smush faced. It's our fault. It's our oh, fault. yeah. We've done that to so many animals. Yeah. 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 There, what's, there's another one, too. Um, Any purebred dog. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. All right. On that horribly depressing note. <laughs> Uh, well, that's actually more... Spay and neuter your pets. Well, no, that's, that's actually more appropriate than you think. It's an ecological, like, kind of human isic kind of way of putting it. Oh, I just realized it could be a... Imagine going into a city and just like, don't forget to spay and neuter your sprig rat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, or even like... So actually, no, you could, you could probably have a city that has only fed sprig rats a specific type of food for generations. And so now they only eat that particular thing. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about like, you know, like purebreds and stuff like that, but a matter of like, they only eat trash or they only eat, you know, like this particular type of food where it's a matter of, Hey, we don't need to get rid of it because we have the sprig rats to take care of it. Stuff like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. All right. So I think that'll just about do it for this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. And again, if you have any questions, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. If you want to have your own episode like casted, I mean, he just, they, they just sent an email. So if you want your own email, I mean, if you want your own episode, shoot us an email. If that's too much work, you can also tweet at us 
through the Twitters at Let's World Build and follow us for all sorts of information. You don't have to, but you can. Be nice. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. And until next week, remember that we love you very much and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. You never I love those goodbye. little 